you know, our thoughts are really important. So are our emotions, but they're, they're only one piece of data. They're only one part of us. But I, I agree with that sense in which they feel so loud when they just live in kind of the echo chamber of our own mind. Yeah. But again, we, they sound different. They feel different when they're outside of us. So that's, that's just a nice, it's a nice, easy, it doesn't take a long time um, practice to get in to, you know, write down your high and low for the day or keep a thought record or keep a jur- dream journal, but someplace where you can record that, um, those, those metrics really, you're, you're collecting data, you're measuring, you're understanding yourself, um, but do that on a regular basis. Hey folks, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation, and I'm very pleased this week to bring a guest who is a little bit of a departure from our usual programming. Dr. Sherry Walling is a clinical psychologist. Uh, you may know her as the uh, partner of Rob Walling, the man behind Drip. Uh, the email marketing automation software. And uh, Dr. Sherry Walling uh, has a, 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 a podcast called Zen Founder, uh, a program called Zen Founder, and a, uh, a program called Zen Tribes, uh, where she collaborates with people like Corey Miller from iThemes and Sean Hesketh from WP101 and Kareem Maruki from, uh, from Crowd Favorite. And her passion is to help entrepreneurs navigate their way through the entrepreneurial journey and keep their shit together at the same time. And she's... Uh, um, you know, with, with a focus on mental health, helping entrepreneurs uh, keep their head together as they grow their business. Uh, Rob and Sherry have written a book that's coming out uh, very soon. All the links you'll find in the show notes for this episode. This is a great episode. If you have ever uh, struggled with your mental health or found being a solopreneur or someone who works from home as being challenging, if you've ever felt isolated or anxious or stressed out, uh, this is a great episode. So uh, again, it is a little bit of a departure from our usual programming, but it's something that's very important. It's a conversation that we like to keep having here at WP Elevation. So without further ado, let's go and meet Dr. Sherry Walling. This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. Hey, this episode of the WP Elevation Podcast is brought to you by WP Elevation. Well, more specifically, it's brought to you by a bunch of our happy customers. See, frankly, I feel a little bit awkward telling you how great WP Elevation is because you're probably not going to believe me because WP Elevation is my baby. It's something that we started over three years ago. Of course, now we're a team of of, of coaches and mentors, and we have hundreds, and by the time you're listening to this, probably thousands of members all over the world. But it still really is something that I'm very passionate about. And, and of course, if you join WP Elevation, we make revenue and we make profit. So it's a little bit awkward if I tell you how great it is, because you probably think I'm just trying to sell you on it. And partially I am, because I know how beneficial the program is. So what I'd love to do instead is just introduce you to some of our customers. So if you go to wpelevation.com slash the podcast, all one word, you'll be able to hear some of those stories from our customers and hear for yourself how WP Elevation has impacted their business and changed their lives. I hope you enjoy that and I hope you check it out at some point. Right now, let's get back to the podcast. Hey folks, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and I'm very pleased to have with me on the podcast this week, Dr. Sherry Walling. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, I am so glad to be with you. Thanks, Troy. Thank you for joining us. Now, for those 
that don't know, um, the you know elephant in the room is that most of our audience will be more familiar with your husband than you. So let's not spend the next half an hour referring to you as Rob's wife. Why don't you tell us who you are in your own right and, <laughs> and why you're here? And then we can refer to Rob as your husband. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, in addition to being Rob's wife, and, and I don't actually mind that too much because we are quite a team. So, um, you know, we work together a lot and uh, we're a good team. Uh, but in addition to being Rob's wife, or rather what I bring to the partnership is um, I'm a clinical psychologist. So I have a PhD in clinical psychology, and I work a lot with founders, entrepreneurs, executives, people who are trying to make their way in the world of business, um, usually around issues of stress and anxiety. So my job is to help people calm down for the most part. And then I do that through a variety of things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but uh I am the, the voice behind Zen Founder, the podcast, and then I run the, the Zen Founder Consultancy. Awesome. Um, you're, you're insinuating that being an entrepreneur or a solo freelancer is quite stressful and, and anxiety-provoking, Sherry. Is that, uh, is that right? <laughs> is that, that's a low-hanging fruit question. <laughs> I hadn't I am, noticed myself. I am insinuating that very thing. <laughs> you know, all of your audiences are like, what? <laughs> um, yeah. I think it's a it's a tough path to travel. There are certainly many many rewards. So I don't I don't mean to um, pathologize it or make it overly negative, but I do think that it's really important that we tell the truth about how hard it is mm. to take on the responsibility for carving out our own livelihood. Yeah. Um, you know, entrepreneurs build their lives based on their ingenuity and what's available to them, and that's not a simple thing to do. Mm. And especially when as especially online entrepreneurs, we are overwhelmed every day with all of these messages coming in from the outside world about everyone's success stories and all this positivity and all, you know, everyone sharing their, their, you know, great testimonials and success stories from their customers and their revenue and they're sharing their, their revenue reports and their website. And, and, and if anybody does publicly say, you know what, I'm kind of melting down right now. I could use some help. And everyone just thinks you're a bit of a whinger and that you should kind of get over it. Um, and so there, there really is this kind of vacuum, um, this, this void of, of this conversation that doesn't happen enough. And we've, I've spoken at length in the past to people like Corey Miller about this. And we've, we ran Mental Health Month last May here at WP Elevation. And it's a topic that we're very passionate about. I'm curious, um, did this come about organically because you just spent so long counseling Rob through his struggles <laughs> as he was building drip that you went, Hey, I've got an idea. Let's turn this into a business. <laughs> not, not really. Thankfully Rob, Rob does pretty well. And I think one of the things we've learned in our marriage is like, I cannot be his counselor yeah, yeah. or his mastermind. <laughs> like he's got other yeah. people for that. Yeah. Um, but I think the way that I ended up um, coming into this as more of my full-time vocation was kind of in a circuitous route, um, as most of us do. My fir the first part of my career was as an academician, and so I was a professor, and I spent a lot of time doing research and writing papers, wow. and really have this sort of deep curiosity about how people function and how we can better understand people. But a big piece of the work that I did um, was about traumatic stress. So people who had undergone really, really difficult things, lots of loss and struggle, um, and I got really curious about how we can prevent long-term mental health problems when people are under stress, right? Big stress is a predictor of bad outcomes, whether that's a shorter length of your life or it's more depression, it's more anxiety, but that 
isn't a it isn't like an absolute fact. There are these variables that make it more or less likely that we'll have long-term problems. So this is a long way of saying, um, I started asking these questions, I think, in different populations before I was asking them about founders. So I asked them about physicians or military officers or other people who had very intense jobs. And I think it was 2012 um, when I found Rob crying in the office, which is not a common event. <laughs> He's double engineer, very matter of fact, not a lot of tears. And um, not, not anybody can relate to that. But he had just learned that Aaron Schwartz had taken his own life. And, you know, I sort of listened to Rob talk about this thinking like, okay, this is very, very sad. Obviously, I understand why you're sad, but like, who is Aaron Schwartz and why, why does this mean so much? And I think for him, he was one of us, like he was one of our people, this like bright, young, I'm going to be creative and make my own way in the world. And of course, uh, for those of you who don't know that name, Aaron is the founder of Reddit, among other things. And I think that started the conversation between Rob and I of how do we kind of make our worlds meet a little bit more. Mm. Um, he would had of course already started microconf and was very much into um, supporting solopreneurs and freelancers and helping them run their business as well. And we just started asking the question of how can we do this together or take what I know and what I'm doing in these other communities and bring it into the, the founder space. Mm. And um, were you, did, was, did you have any hesitation about, uh, as a couple, did you have any hesitation about those worlds colliding? We work together carefully, <laughs> which means that we work pretty differently and we work pretty separately in the sense that it's sort of like, you have this task, you go do that. I have this task, I'll go do this. Um, so it's a lot of divide and conquer, both in our, our personal partnership together and in our work partnership together. Um, so no, I don't think we had a lot of hesitation, but I do think that like I've had to be an entrepreneur on my own because, you know, Rob doesn't run my business for me. I have to figure that out by myself. And I, I like the way you said that you work together carefully because it, um, it does require care and it's a, uh, you need to put a bit of thought into it. It's a mindful exercise. Um, I've been trying to get my wife to come and work in our business for the last eight years. And she, her standard answer is, well, we can work together or we can stay married. And uh, I choose the marriage. So we don't work together. <laughs> um, uh, now I'm curious. Um, uh, so, so when you decided to start Zen founder and you decided to go all in and have this conversation with the entrepreneurs, what were you doing? What did you give up to do that? What, 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 what did you transition away from to do this? I really did take a stair-step approach, to be honest. So I started with a couple of conference presentations, and then we added the podcast. And then the podcast, you know, has a strong following. We got some, got some legs there. And then Rob sold trip, and we moved from California to uh, Minneapolis, so from the West Coast to the center of the U.S. And um, I left my clinic and my teaching career and kind of everything that I had been building for the 10 years prior to that. And I was okay to do that. I was sort of at a point where I was ready for a change, but it was sort of all of these pieces building on each other. We did one thing and then another thing and then I did another thing. And then it's really only been in the last 18 months that this has been my full-time vocation. 
And so what's the, what's the, um, you know, to coin a cliche, what's the elevator pitch for Zen founder? If you meet someone for the first time and they ask you what, what Zen founder is, what's your standard answer? We help entrepreneurs with mental health. Nice. So try to keep it really simple. Yeah. And of course that's a really big umbrella. So then mm. it's like a longer elevator pitch, but that's the, that's the quickest, shortest description. And so I've been doing a little bit of stalking uh, in, in, um, in preparation for this podcast. And I've been checking out the website. I know you've got a book coming out, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, how do you do that? How do you help entrepreneurs with mental health? You know, I think I spend probably like, 45% of my time talking to people about how it's important to notice their mental health at all. So I think a big piece of what we do is education. A big piece of what we do is like making this a more normative conversation, whether that's among leaders in the founder community, whether that's at conferences, whether that's, you know, around the dining room table. Um, that's probably like just a, the, a big fat chunk of the priority of our work is, is helping people pay attention to themselves and be able to talk more comfortably about what's happening in their inner world and what's happening in their relationships. So providing a, um, providing a safe space and maybe some, um, some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Some languaging, to be able to have those conversations and feel okay about being vulnerable and feel okay about asking for help. Yeah. I mean, I think on a day when I feel sort of like grandiose, like my big picture agenda is to really change the culture around which we talk about emotion and mental health, like very broadly. So um, more specifically though, we try to help founders identify the sort of common stumbling blocks that people who are running their own businesses experience and give them some tips and stool, uh, tips and tools, strategies um, to help make a life a little bit easier. What, what are some of the common things that you see? What are some of those common brick walls that entrepreneurs hit that tend to send them into uh, a, a, a state of mental health, which is suboptimal? Um, I think loneliness is a big one. I know yeah. you've talked about that a lot on the show. Um, it's it's unfortunately something that is really common among freelancers and folk who are working alone. But even people who are running teams, I think, can mm -hmm. feel a lot of isolation. It's not limited to people who, you know, work in the spare room in their own house. Um, certainly anxiety, fear of failure, fear of success, mm -hmm. um, people who self-sabotage or, or get to a point where they're really on the cusp of something great and they, they get scared and they're not mm -hmm. sure what to do about that or, or how to reach out. And apart from the, apart from the obvious, which is, you know, <laughs> which is reaching out and surrounding yourself with, you know, fellow monkeys in your tribe and getting support and getting help, which is sometimes really difficult to do because it does require you to, be vulnerable and to, uh, um, you know, ad admit that you need some help, which is, you know, I, I know I spent a long time trying to figure out how to do that. And eventually I got myself into a place where I could do that. And it was the best thing I ever did. But if you, if you're just not quite there yet, what are some of the more practical things that you can do to manage your own? If, if you're just feeling like something's not quite right and you're not performing at your optimum and there's something going on in your mind and there's little voices there that are giving you messages that you're not quite comfortable with and, you, and you're not really at a, in a place where you're ready to reach out and surround yourself with other people or ask for help. What are some of the practical things you can do as a 
solopreneur, freelancer, or someone who does feel isolated to manage that? Yeah, I think there's some really powerful practices that um, may sound a little like fluffy, but there's a great amount of science behind them. And one of those practices is journaling. And I think if you are feeling like your your inner world, like the inside of your mind is not a very comfortable, safe place to spend any time, that to have a practice where you're getting some of that out and you're putting it on paper objectively in front of you so you can interact with it in a different way. So whether it's those thoughts that seem to sort of float around in your mind that feel critical or feel unkind or kind of feel like, hey, why am I, why do I keep thinking this? Why do I keep getting stuck on this? If you can get it out of your inner world and look at it in a neutral sort of objective way, that's a great practice. Um, simply beginning to track your own kind of metrics. How are you sleeping? What's your mood like? What are the highs and lows in your day? Really having a practice of paying attention to what's going on inside of you. First of all, like it, it just feels better. You're kind of purging things that feel mysterious and making them less mysterious when you put them out on paper. Um, it can also give you some really good insight about where you should direct your energy and what kinds of activities are really causing a lot of trouble or sucking a lot of energy from you. It can really help organize your life and change things so that you can be a little bit more fluid and help your, your mental health be optimized as it relates to your outer world. One of the, um, one of my favorite books that I was given as a gift years ago is, um, the artist's way by, uh, Dr. Julia Cameron. I think she's a doctor. And, uh, one of the first exercises in that book is the morning pages. Yep. It's, um, a fantastic exercise, very difficult to do, very difficult to commit to. Yep. Um, but a very useful exercise. So strongly, I'll, I'll, I'll leave a link to that book in the show notes. It's a, it's a fantastic exercise. Um, and I think you, you, you're right. There's when you, because you know, you can get, you, you can, well, from my experience anyway, I can get lost in my own head and the things that you're thinking in your own head seem more, uh, powerful than they actually are. And if you write them down or even speak them out loud, they tend to, uh, and, and then they're kind of out in the real world in some kind of context. They, for me anyway, uh, that's a way of, um, they, they don't, it doesn't seem so powerful when I look at it on paper or when I, I mean, I, I do a lot of visualization. That's one of my sort of tricks, if you like. Um, and when I, when I visualize things, I feel like I'm in charge of the thought stream in my head and what I've learned over the years is that if I'm not in charge of the stream of thoughts in my head, if I just let go and I, I don't, I'm not in charge of it and I'm not sort of driving the bus, then I leave myself open to just whatever the world wants to put in there, which usually is not going to serve me. So I like to be in charge of my own thought stream as much as possible because at least I know that those thoughts are, you know, hopefully going to serve me because I have my best interest at heart, um, which is a very roundabout way of saying I agree with your point. Uh, that getting those thoughts out of your head, I found talking to a counsellor very useful for a, a long period of time. Um, but just getting those thoughts out of your head, they don't seem so powerful once they're out in the real world. Yeah, I, I think, you know, our thoughts are really important. So are our emotions. But they're, they're only one piece of data. They're only one part of us. But I, I agree with that sense in which they feel so loud 
when they just live in kind of the echo chamber of our own mind. Yeah. But again, we, they sound different. They feel different when they're outside of us. So that's, that's just a nice, it's a nice, easy, it doesn't take a long time um, practice to get in to, you know, write down your high and low for the day or keep a thought record or keep a dream journal, but someplace where you can record that, um, those, those metrics, really, you're, you're collecting data, you're measuring, you're understanding yourself. Um, but do that on a regular basis. Do you have a morning routine that you follow? Um, I do. I don't know that it's, um, you know, I, I don't think it's a special hack or anything particularly special, but I'm an, you know, I'm an early morning exerciser. So I get up about five 30 and I'm, at, I'm at the gym or, um, out running by six and, mm. You know, I like that quiet. I've, I'm a little bit more introverted, so I find that I need that space for my brain to wake up, but also to to just uh, be internal. Um, and it's certainly, I love the feeling of like getting done with a good workout and it's 7 a.m. and I already feel like, okay, I've done something today. Like if the rest of the day is a wash, like at least I've done this. I've accomplished yep. this one thing. Yep. So that that rhythm is very important to me. I'm so glad you mentioned exercise too, because it's the, the, uh, you know, I invest in, I see a personal trainer twice a week and you know, he's $80 a session. So there's 160 bucks a week. I'm investing in a personal trainer and my wife, you know, every now and then my wife will say, man, you're expensive to run. You are. And, uh, I say to her, well, I can spend $160 on a personal trainer a week, or I can spend $160 seeing a psychologist once a week. The benefit of seeing the trainer is that physically there are some, there are some benefits as well. Uh, <laughs> I look better in my jeans. Okay. Right, correct. Exactly. <laughs> predominantly I'm there for my mental health. That's why I go to the gym twice a week and try and run on the weekends. Because, uh, if I don't, I, I tend to feel like I'm going a little bit crazy, uh, a little bit, um, you know. Burko in the head, I get clouded, I get claustrophobic in the head, and I just need to burn that energy. Um, my personal trainer and I have a great relationship. We talk very openly. We're both, we're both fathers with young children. Um, so we talk very openly. We're both business owners. We talk very openly about everything. Um, and, uh, you know, and, then, and then we work out between talking about stuff. So for me, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's the best of both worlds. It's a pretty it's powerful relationship. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, um, I want to talk about the book in a moment. Um, but first of all, uh, how did you go about, uh, putting together the team that you've got at Zen founder? How did you go about choosing the people that were right to come in and, and start facilitating some of these conversations? And, and also tell us about Zen founder and the programs that you offer to help entrepreneurs. Yeah. So Zen founder is kind of the, the blanket for all the, the things that I do to serve founders and the kind of first First point of entry is the podcast, which is, of course, you know, free and available to everybody. Um, and then we also, I do some individual consulting. So I consult one-on-one -on -one with founders who are having a hard time, or sometimes um, folks will bring me in if they're having um, some kind of crisis or major transition in their business, and they just need an objective helper who's been around and has some sensitivity to thoughts and feelings and relationships kinds of things. Um, I also plan retreats for organizations, help either individual founders think through how to take a meaningful founder retreat, or I'll help plan a, plan a retreat for a team. 
Um, and then we do Zen tribes. And this is one of the things that I most love doing. Um, and this is where I get to partner with one of my founder buddies. Um, I work with Kareem Maruki and Sean Hesketh and Corey Miller. And I work with them because they're amazing and smart and insightful and because they really care about founder well-being. So, um, you know, it, they weren't, it wasn't a hard pick. It was, these are just people who care about the same things that I care about. And we um, wanted to do this kind of work together. So in the tribes, we usually meet for eight weeks and it's a little bit of like kind of mental health boot camp. So we actually start by talking about some of the things you're talking about. We talk about taking care of your body and how important your body is to your mental functioning and overall functioning. And then we go through a series of um, conversations that are really targeted towards the unique challenges that founders face. So they're small groups. They're like eight people usually, and they get to be pretty close and intimate connected. Um, awesome. You, I, I know Corey and Sean and Kareem well. I've hung out with them and spoken to them lots about these particular issues. And uh, I can say that you've got a, an A-team there of, uh, of uh, awesome people who uh, hearts are in the right place and have the war wounds and have been there, done that experience as well. So uh, very impressive uh, to, to put that together. Um, talk to us about the book. You and Rob have, have written a book. It's just it's coming out soon. Is, is that right? Coming out next week, so uh, awesome. that's February 21st, depending on when this airs. Great. Um, yeah, it's called the, the Entrepreneur's Guide to Keeping Your Shit Together, How to Run Your Business Without Letting It Run You. Awesome. Um, Good title. Yeah, my 11-year-old came up with the title, so I'm <laughs> not sure whether to be proud or embarrassed or you know, it is what it that's, is. That's a great title. <laughs> I was going to ask if Rob had actually split tested that title at all and, you know, maybe run some A-B testing to find the right one. I really don't think it was that uh, that data driven as much as like he said it. We're like, oh yeah, that's cool. That works. <laughs> so yeah, this is um, it's a it's a book that is hopefully the best of what we learned over the course of doing the podcast for the last three or four years and thinking through like the most basic tips and strategies and thoughts that kind of help keep us together when we are in the midst of the stress of running our businesses. So it's, it's pretty action packed. It's got some, got some personal stories and stories from founders that I know and have worked with. Um, but we, we definitely tried to make it something that is a good kind of implementation, implementable strategies for people to use. How did you, how was the process of writing a book and how was the process of writing a book with your husband? Well, um, I wrote most of the book and Rob did a lot of editorial kind of feedback and revisions. And a lot of the book is based on content that we've developed together. So he was definitely a, a sort of like a 30% partner. So it, it was kind of my baby. And then he was super, super supportive and helpful in, in getting it to the point of being ready to launch. Um, I wish I could say that it was an easy process and it's something that I'll do again and again and again. It was like way harder than I thought. Um, uh, I started all know about a year ago. You said that. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I'll, I'll keep it real. Um, so it took about a year and it ended up being a really difficult year for me personally. My dad got cancer. My brother got very sick. We ended up... Um, taking emergency custody of a couple of children who were in our family. So it just wow. like in the midst of a lot of personal upheaval, um, it required a lot of me. Um, but I will say that I'm, I was really glad for the routine of writing. Um, I kind of had like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning, I would work out 
follow my morning schedule, get the kids off to school and then, and then sit down and write. And I think that provided some much needed structure and a sense of accomplishment and productivity to my, to my day in life in the midst of just a lot of things that I couldn't control. I'm always curious whenever I go and see, um, a physiotherapist or a massage therapist or a hairdresser, I'm always curious who massages the massage therapist and who cuts the hairdresser's hair. So who keeps Dr. Sherry Walling shit together? <laughs> well, I, I have my own therapist <laughs> <laughs> who I see kind of as I need to. And then I have an, a small army of great friends. Um, I have two kind of best girlfriends here in, that live near me in Minnesota and they're, they're both, one's a psychologist, one's a therapist. So, you know, they, they get it. Um, I also think my yoga teacher is sort of my mental health guru. That's mm -hmm. been a really important practice for me in terms of integrating that body and mind and soul all in one place and having a place where I can really practice breathing and letting go. So and I remember reading in your bio when I was stalking you for this episode uh, that you combine yoga and therapy, yeah? I do, yeah. That's been something that I started doing maybe five years ago um, and teaching people how to calm down. We now have great research and data that sort of supports yoga as a great way to um, help people modulate anxiety in their bodies. Awesome. So it's a great tool. Awesome. Uh, it's been great getting to know a little bit about you and Zen Founder and Zen Tribes. Uh, I'm going to put links to the book and links to everything we've spoken about in the show notes here. Uh, Dr. Sherry Walling, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast. Where can people reach out and say hi and thank you and connect? Um, I'd love to hear from people. I'm uh, Sherry at zenfounder.com is my uh, email address. And then I can definitely be found at zenfounder or at sherrywalling.com. I, I think I'm pretty easy to stalk, so awesome. you can find me. Yes, you are actually. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you didn't find my home address or anything, right? No, 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 not at all. Just, just on Google Earth, yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the podcast and uh, I wish you all the best with Zen Founder and Zen Tribes and I look forward to seeing uh, how it all unfolds over the coming months and years. Thanks, Troy. It's been fun. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast as much as I did. Uh, please make sure that you are doing everything you can to look after yourself physically and mentally because if you are in a good place and in good shape, then you are better prepared to deal with the challenges of being an entrepreneur. Everything we spoke about in this episode, all of the links and the resources, you can find them in the show notes at wpelevation.com slash Sherry Walling, and that's S-H-E-R-R-Y. W-A-L-L-I-N-G, WPElevation.com slash Sherry Walling. And please uh, subscribe to us on iTunes at WPElevation.com slash iTunes. Or if you don't like Apple products and refuse to use them and you uh, are on an Android device or you just don't like iTunes, then uh, you can subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Uh, check us out at WPElevation.com slash Stitcher. We have a new Facebook Live weekly show going out. Uh, every Tuesday Australian time. It's called Silence is Golden and uh, it's designed to help you uh, run a great WordPress consulting business. You can see that on our Facebook page uh, which is at wpelevation.com slash Facebook and we also post up the recordings onto YouTube and you guessed it, the link for that is wpelevation.com slash YouTube. So please uh, subscribe to those shows, uh, share this 
uh, with your friends and, uh, and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes if you're enjoying the show or if you think we could be doing something better. We value your feedback and all of that feedback and engagement really does help us come up in the search results as well. So I look forward to seeing you on next week's episode of the podcast. Until then, I'm Troy Dean. Go Elevate. <laughs>